0: Coming up on the naughtiest naughty, I just made me think, like, you know, you're meant to be a music reviewer, you're meant to, oh, you're just not curt for this Liam, you just, you're not doing your job properly. <laughs> Miss Jackson was the clear standout track last week, but it didn't dislodge J-Lo's Love Don't Cost a Thing as Scott series winner.
1: But
2: well, it did push Daft Punk out to become Liam's new series winner. I'm
1: sorry, Miss Jackson.
2: Welcome to The Naughtiest Naughty. Do you know what the best pop song was of the decade? No, neither do we. So we're on a quest to actually find it. So we're going through every single top 10 single of The Naughties in order. We've completed 2000. We're currently in spring 2001 and we're going through lots of top 10 bad boys. Each week we choose an episode winner and then we decide whether that beats our current series winner to take the existing title of The Naughtiest Naughty. Big songs winning so far, Liam. Really big songs, it's getting more difficult every single week. We're still
0: having sleepless nights, Uh, maybe you are too, and we'll get to find out whether you are or not now uh, with your voice notes and comments and emails and such. Just a reminder that these are all things that we talked about last week, so if you haven't heard last week yet, I'd recommend going back and checking those and see what you think, see if you agree with these people who've got in touch with us. We're going to hear from uh, your tweets and stuff very shortly, but first let's get some voice notes. This one comes from a long-time friend of the show. And as I keep saying, reason why it exists. This is Becca. Now she's clearly very traumatized.
3: Hello, it is Becks back with a brand new story that no one cares about. The topic of Dido really unsettled me. I'm quite triggered by her name, and this is because my dad joked with me when I was very young that Dido was going to be my stepmom. I think because my dad really likes Dido, he joked me very young saying that he's going to leave my mum for Dido. So whenever I see her, I want to punch her in the face, even though she's done nothing wrong. It's just her existence upsets me. So she, no, no to Dido. But then again, we've got outcast Miss Jackson, certified banger, definitely my tune of the week very grateful to hear it live performed by Big Boy and um, yeah there we go fuck Dido was
2: Dido an actual ride? <laughs> my mate Lee from Lauren <laughs> messaged last week whenever we said was there a Dido thing? <laughs> I, you, you even I discriminated against girls with short hair I always like girls with long hair mm. and I think that took Dido out of my camp because she had short hair was Dido a ride? well apparently so according to Beckett's dad um, well as far as
0: I'm aware Dido didn't become becca's stepmom uh, but she still doesn't want to punch her in the face which is a shame uh, thank <laughs> you becca we'll go from the extreme to another really this is like a hurricane it's ryan and he basically summarizes everything he's heard so far because he's had a binge the whole series so far he oh, hasn't wow. heard anything until this week he's been catching up and he's got the first four all summed up here Nicely.
4: Alright guys, long time no speak. God where to start. I mean, I loved the interviews and the award show, though I would have said the rock for W2F moment and sweet female attitude for non-winner, I've had that on repeat. But how crazy is this year so far, 2001, man? So many bangers, so many memories. First step book Rogers, which I thought was called We're Gonna Make It At First as well. I remember it was mostly from that Lucasade ad that always used to be in cinemas with the guy going down the hill in the skateboards. Um but my winner was in a smile. It's so uplifting and it reminds me of the old footy coverage, it's amazing. Um, Second up Stacks. I mean, next episode might be a bit of a meme now, but it's so iconic, and the bongo song is great too. But I want Will and Biscuit, That is one of the most head-banging songs ever. I mean, there's a video out there somewhere of me in the ether absolutely losing my shit to it. So many wrestling memories with it as well, and I actually unironically love that. All right, partner. Spoken word part. God, that, that was horrendous. Um, Ep3, though, your toughest week ever, surely. I mean, you've got that rebellious teenage togetherness and that, oh yeah, breakdown with teenage dirtbag. Gareth South. Get members of Hall again, or football's coming home again, or the big reason I want to go at the darts for the chase the sun. But I went for Dancing in the Moonlight, it's euphoric, and for me, it's one of the most happily, instantly recognizable opening few keys around, even if it isn't original. Um, and F4, I totally agree with you both. As good as Died on Jakata were, it had to be Miss Jackson, didn't it? I am for eels. Um, but seriously, I was so sure you'd still have your winners from last year. I was stunned that Scott changed so early, and now Liam too. Honestly, I was a little mad at first because I was so confident Liam had his founder's real runner there, but Miss Jackson is a banger, so I feel less mad than when Pure Shores went. My overall winner still one more time, though. It's on seven weeks now, tied with seven days by Craig David for longevity. Don't know how long that'll last, though, because all this just shows there's nothing safe. Ah, But just want to say, you're just doing as good as you ever were. It's even funnier. It's even better. It's even more naughty. I just love what you're doing and keep doing what you're doing and keep being as amazing as you are.
2: That's an impressive binge. Yeah. That is a very impressive binge. Well done,
0: right? Yeah, listen it was for four hours straight. God, it would drive you mad. Yes, he is shocked we've changed Ike. so quickly. I think I probably am as well, yeah. <laughs> I think we both thought that Kylie would be there forever for you. We all thought Daft Punk would be a lot a long-time thing for me. Mm-mm,
2: apparently not. Oh, do you know what? I'm starting to become obsessed with Kylie again. And I remember when I was a kid, she was my sweetheart, you know, when she left Neighbours and did the locomotion. Mm. I remember my mum was like, Kylie's on the TV. Kylie's your <laughs> girlfriend. And I <it> was like, <laughs> Um, And now, honestly, from this podcast, I now feel like Kylie and Mel C are the biggest pop stars in the world because everything about them is coming back up. So, like, I have even gone out of my way this week to tune into Zoe Ball to hear the debut of Kylie's most recent song, Magic, because I knew it was coming Mm. because of socials. And if I didn't do this podcast, Kylie would not have been on my timeline. Do you feel like a little boy again, Scott? (laughs) It's weird because what I don't want to do is I don't want to end up going down an avenue where I get so lost in loving specific artists that I lose what's really going on in the music industry. And, you know, Kylie isn't a daytime Radio 1 kind of a person although I have seen there's been a fight about chart position for the album based on pre-orders she's actually up against Little Mix which makes no sense to me because I kind of thought Little Mix would be getting a big album I don't know we'll see I think it's next week that's going to come out so we'll see what happens next week Kylie might be like having every single Kylie fan buying an album and she might be making more chart history at this point Mm. we'll see if we can
0: get your thoughts on the album as well Scott we'll see if we can get you to sit down and have a listen to it and give us your thoughts on Kylie after all this time Uh, some more of your comments and stuff now Lee on Twitter says definitely no more for me from A1 Uh, she loves the music and rhythm of the song the fantastic dance moves from my favourite lads Uh, and the fact the video was filmed in my country of Singapore we're reaching very far out with this podcast I love to hear that and uh, one from Stu on Facebook who says Dido here with me is the theme to Roswell I didn't know that Uh, that's the main reason it
2: stands out to him did you know that was the theme to Roswell I can't even I don't even know what Roswell is until I saw people starting to comments saying, oh, Roswell, Roswell, I then twigged, I've not seen Roswell, but then that did come back to me as being like a a big thing it's like you know whenever you just get brought back to theme tunes and you remember it was a thing Mm. um even though you didn't watch it yeah uh being that mum on instagram has said the call is a massively underrated pop song i kind of think maybe i've destroyed it for people yeah that's and riker seer on instagram says bb mac heart god their harmonies are so lush and back here is such a dreamy 2001 time capsule brings the melancholy I've been singing that loads, to be fair. Me too.
0: It's a very sing-alongable song. Uh, and finally, Nick on Twitter says, So many bangers here. <laughs> Mumba, BB Mac, Outcast, Melby. Definitely remember rinsing that Samantha Mumba track a lot. I was quite surprised last week you didn't choose Samantha Mumba in your contenders, given the the, the the billing she'd had
2: in previous weeks, or in previous songs. Oh, I know. It was a big, you know, Ms. Jackson, Outcast. if... And this is exactly why this podcast is interesting. You know, we cannot do anything about the months... Or weeks these songs were released, nope. and <laughs> no. you know you, you do have to be objective. And Mumba, I love Samantha Mumba, and I still love Samantha Mumba, and I just wish that she was doing stuff today. Spreadsheet wise, when I looked forward, I would have seen that and gone, "There's an episode winner." And then when it comes to it, you know, we do change as we go. Mm. I think last
0: we heard about Samantha, she was doing some new music, but whether that comes out this year or it's moved to next year because of all that's happening, we don't know. But I'd love to hear some new music from Samantha. Shall we get into today's bangers then? Oh, let's do it. So we've got a big doubleheader from the Manic Street Preachers on the way and the recipient of our 2000 Award for Worst cover, uh,
2: Westlife, <laughs> return with another effort. <laughs> and there's debuts for Gorillas and Nelly Furtado. But first... So we are into
0: the month of March 2001. Remember March 2020? What a great month that was. Really look back on that one with great fondness. Uh, And here we are again.
2: (laughs) How funny is it that... I know. No toilet roll in March 2020. Mm -hmm. And we're pretty much going to have no toilet roll kind of like October 2020 as well.
0: Yeah. If we go back to 2001, this was the month. And this was the week, the 4th of March 2001, where Mel C kind of cut ties with the Spice Girls, she sort of said that she wasn't going to do anything else with them. Can you shed some light on this, Scott? Because it sounded like a bit of a a traumatic time for the Spice Girls.
2: You know what? I don't remember because my trauma and my Spice Girls' love kind of ended when Jerry left, to be Mm. fair. Because, you know, as much as holler is my favorite spice girls track that's an on reflection thing because it wasn't an at the time thing it was a when i've listened back i think production wise it's it's brilliant and i get it but i don't really know you know to be honest without sitting going and looking through blogs and going oh actually that's right (laughs) Nah.
0: oh well i thought i'd chuck it out there
2: meanwhile in the charts atomic kitten
0: after four weeks at number one they were finally dethroned by this from Shaggy and Rick Rock this is It Wasn't Me
1: But she got me on the counter it wasn't me Saw me banging on the sofa It wasn't me I even had her
2: not understand how it took to today to realise I never, ever, ever understood any word that came out of Shaggy's mouth throughout this. Nope. Yeah, I know every (laughs) single word in the chorus and all of the hooks, but anything that rolled out of Shaggy's lips, no idea. And then I've looked today and I've actually written down WTF. This is kind of like the equivalent to whenever you're a kid, right? You know, a really, really small kid who plays hide and Seek or Hide and Seek and you actually believe when you're that young, when you close your eyes, you've disappeared. So no one can actually... See it. It's (laughs) like it's the most ridiculous denial that you've ever experienced. In your life, really. So, like the elements of the song are kind of like there's, there's fun elements of it from like koi dish, you know, like yeah. bathroom floors and sofas and mm-hmm. all sorts. So there's there's that like interesting semi kinky element of it, but it's pretty much a song that teaches you how to cheat, try get away with it, and just gaslight anybody that challenges you on it. It's very gaslighty, so gaslighty. It is very gaslighty.
0: Oh, so let's let's kind of break it down. First of all, I was watching an interview with well, it was a, it does a full sort of behind the song, sort of video that Vice did earlier this year. And I haven't seen the whole thing yet because we had to kind of get to it. And I'm going to watch the whole thing after we finish this. But in the first few minutes of that video, Shaggy says, cheating is a part of everybody's lives.
2: Hmm. It's very apparent that from this song, it's making it seem like they believe that this is part of everybody's life and all of their social circles and stuff are like this, mm. which is actually a little bit, creepy because i think it's given loads of guys a green light don't get me wrong i do think that i can imagine not my immediate social circle but i know social circles that i'm kind of semi-connected with mm. that do live that life you know what i mean and yeah um, it's it's pretty different to my life but very very odd and yeah i do know groups of lads like that that would actually of this as banter mm. and very very relatable it's odd for me
0: i've been watching the tv show married at first sight australia <laughs> uh, for the last few weeks and it is some of the most exciting tv i've seen in years because it's just total escapism because it's like it's like you're saying you know people who are like that you're not like that personally but you've seen it and you, you know it exists yeah. and these people are very much like that and i'm finding it so fascinating seeing these people who are just i, mean, I, I mental enough to go on TV and put themselves in the hands of people to get married to somebody they've never met before and there's been kind of chopping and changing within the group like you know partners being off with other partners and it's all kind of come to a head this week oh it's I can't recommend it enough if you want to escape from 2020 and how shit it is um, married at first sight on Aus- Australia on E4 <laughs> anyway I've gone off topic Um, to go in just to go into some of the I had to give it a plug sorry I had to to, to, to break down some of what is said within those verses that we've, we've already kind of said we didn't really look into much because Shaggy has this weird accent that he does, which it doesn't sound like that in real life. No, he doesn't. I was expecting to see Shaggy talking like you know what I was talking about, this us do something and it, does, it sounds like a normal normal person it's just it, the, the the accent is so it's, it's kind of interesting it sucks you in, but it's very weird mm-hmm. so he says that you should deny it was you even if you are caught red-handed you should convince the person the that the, the complete opposite has happened mm-hmm. which is very trumpian you should claim they have no right to be angry <laughs> uh, you should claim that uh, an evil an evil twin was involved and that her eyes need testing Anything but a take accountability. Although at the end, there is an apology. Now, does that does that change things for you? The fact that at the end, there is a kind of apology, even after all of the, the back and forth of
2: your, 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 your mental case? For me, the apology comes from Rick Rock, who's the guy that semi-feels guilty about it, mm. whereas Shaggy's advice is pretty much sociopathic. Yeah. So I, I can understand why Rick Rock's trying to make an apology. But as for the Shaggy advice through the song, it's like, seriously, mate, you really are dangerous. And, you know, it's fine, right? I'm, I'm all for whatever status your relationship is and stuff. And if you're polygamous, that's great. If you're monotonous, that's fine. Or monogamous, that's fine. But, you know, obviously the, the females in this song were expecting a trustworthy, monogamy-driven relationship and that is not what it panned out to be. Whereas, you know, if you walk in on somebody and, you know, oh, oh there's no surprise, Liam's at it again with somebody on the bathroom floor. For God's <laughs> sake, you can't get into <laughs> my own house on a Friday. But, you know, it is, It just... I always thought it was a jam, and like Mm. I feel like such a miserable grown-up dad now. I'm like, oh, the Shaggy and Rick Rock track. It isn't a very good impression, and I'm like, is there a lighthearted element? Is it supposed to be a fictional story? And actually, I think there's so many elements of it that it's like it's like a film, you know, or or a series that focuses on something that could be true. It's entertaining in that respect where there's a whole element of it where you can just engage with them like, oh my God, this is a really shocking story. I probably know somebody that do that. Mm. But at the same time, there's so much passion behind what Shaggy says. It's a bit like, mate, you're sick.
0: I I reckon on this podcast, we could be accused by some as being very woke and being very kind of, we're looking back on songs and lens that wasn't put on them at the time. At the time, yeah. That That doesn't mean that we shouldn't because... You know this song is still in circulation just a little while ago I had clubland tv on and this was their number one on their um 2000s best sellers (laughs) show which is accurate because it it, it was one of the biggest selling singles of the year it was was the biggest selling single of the of the year 2001 Mm -hmm. and as of 2017 it's it's the 11th biggest selling single of the 21st century so it was enormous and it still is played a lot We have to look at these things retrospectively. We have to go back and kind of look at that context because you can't ignore it when it's this blatant and when it's this... Well, I say blatant, We had to Google it because we couldn't understand what we were saying, but it's so blatant and it's so... You can't not do this. I'm sorry if Shaggy, It Wasn't Me is your favourite song and you've been to look past the fact that it's very gaslighty, but we can't ignore that, can we?
2: We can't... I don't think people that have bought this, right, will have realised how gaslighty it was because I think that people have bought it for the melody and the lyrics and the chorus. Mm. So they've bought it for Rick Rock, even though it's a Shaggy thing. And yeah, the, the the physical noise that Shaggy makes when he sings his verses is interesting, it's different and it's great and stuff, but mm. I'm not convinced that like, let, let me just completely jump a, jump to conclusion. 70% of the people here, I bet you could not sing either lyrics God, to no. the verses God, no. on this. Nope. And we've kind of all been missold something and I don't think it was it's not obvious enough that he's playing a character do you know what I mean considering the guy like refers to himself as she caught me cheating I'm trying to figure out am I being too uptight with this is this weird but I think like it's one of the golden things where it really just does show back what people were like in 2001 and it isn't that people agreed with the lyrics because people didn't know the lyrics and people listen to music like me where the hooks kind of gradually go in and you start from nothing and maybe you get a couple of words that expand to a sentence and then you can do a whole chorus and if it's an interesting piece of songwriting, you get the verses you know like a a cold play or something that really chills you from the get-go and you you follow the structure of it through or i say my name for example you know this wasn't that this was very much all chorus first and the scandal of the chorus and then if you add it in and learn extra stuff as you went that's fine but by that time you'd probably bought it because you wanted to look cool you know production wise it is good video wise it's fine you know it kind of was all about the banging on the bathroom floor there was yeah. a, it was naughty to that point and everybody thought it was funny you know it probably increased Shire sex and floor sex to be fair so oh look at us getting deep already but, um, <laughs> Shaggy and Rick Rock it wasn't me it's not for me uh, A number one refunds should be dished out for people that didn't hear all the lyrics
0: yes yes okay so Shaggy has arrived on the scene we now have to say a farewell to Ricky Martin this is his final top ten single but it's kind of a ships in the night thing because we're getting more from Christina before she goes dirty this is their duet called Nobody Wants To Be Lonely
1: Nobody Wants To
2: today because i kind of dreaded seeing this one coming mm. and then i've listened to it and oh my goodness i have been touched by this song oh. massively i had goosebumps and everything whenever i listened to this and i forgot how amazingly good this track actually is it's just like a perfect latin ballad all rolled into one
0: oh well it, it, i i I'll, I'll let you kind of be happy I won't I won't say my comments about it sounding like whole music I mm. won't say that I'll just I'll move past that uh. it No, actually, to be fair, that's that's kind of a snarky comment that I thought of when I first heard it. And actually, when I listened to it more, I was kind of like, no, it's actually quite intricate and layered. Actually, the two of them do bounce off quite well. I mean, look, it was nominated for best pop collaboration with vocals. Mm -hmm. It lost to Lady Marmalade, which is another Christina (laughs) track. So she had she had a pretty good night. Uh, Originally a solo track, and then turned into a duet to add Christina on now. There's been a few of these in the past. We've had uh, Whitney and Enrique, we've had Whitney and George. Mm-hmm. We've got this now and I've I've kind of gone on record as somebody who's not been a massive fan of them because it just th- so many of them devolve into a screaming match. And I find that this one actually works a lot better than the previous ones that we've kind of covered. Yay, I've written um, that down. I think they take different registers but they both go high and low. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a lot of interchange between them. They very rarely meet in the middle. There's quite a lot of good bits of overlap on opposite ends. Aye. I, I can, I'm i kind of more keen to know why you're so touched by it.
2: There was so much going on in 2001 that I think like this is a complete forgotten gem, right? So the chorus is amazing and the delivery and the lyrics... The way that they run as a duet is brilliant. You know, it is lyrically beautiful. Mm-hmm. But um, as it went on and on and on, I just got more feels yeah. for it, which is really strange. And there's so much about it that's ostentatious, right? But going back to what we've said about the other like duos and duets that we've had so far, this one just remains simple. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's because of the mastering and stuff of it. So actually what's happened is instrumentation has been brought up. So Christina doing her massive thing, you're like, well, well done. But you're not like, whoa, that's annoying. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that is so smartly done by me, but... I think this is kind of like the most romantic thing that I've connected to so far to date. It's produced by Walter Afanasieff. Afanasieff? Afanasieff? Yeah, so Walter Afanasieff. He did My Heart Will Go On. Oh, right. So you're seeing here what production value you're getting Mm. here. So this is Celine Dion Titanic caliber production in the background. But it does, does kind of break my heart that it is so forgotten. And I thought it was actually like a much more chill ballad. And then when I listened to it, it's way more upbeat and way more mastered than I remembered it, it being.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting combination as well. At this point, uh, according to what I've read from Can't Stop the Pop, the blog, um, they've said that Ricky was trying to break out of Spanish music, Christina trying to break in. She had her Spanish language album come out a few months prior to this. I, I, I've always found it quite easy to forget that she actually is kind of part of that Latina scene. Oh, yeah. But she pulls it off really well here and it does, it, it does feel authentic and... And 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 it does gel properly. There's a nine year age gap between them. Did you find that to be a problem at all? Would did that did that hinder any believability for you? It didn't for me. Didn't
2: even notice it. But I,
0: I did I did
2: I did note it. I did note it down as a thing that was present. I just like I saw them embrace and loved them hugging and was like, this is great. I'm not into romantic stuff. Like I like rom-coms until the rom at the end. Like I yeah. can stop yeah. like 12 minutes before the end of any rom-com pretty much. Yeah. But this, I was waiting for this and I was just so pleased that they started hugging and stuff in the music video. But age for me, not really an issue, providing she's over 18, maybe she 19 is. would be she like is, a bit yeah. further away from the age group. But yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised at how moved I've been by this track because I didn't like the thought of it coming our way
0: i think finally and most importantly it passes the mcgurty test that first verse the lyrics could sound quite creepy if done
2: in a creepy voice yeah Uh well the whole thing's about loneliness isn't it so it's actually kind of a little bit scary so far but yeah yeah lyrically it's 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 really really relatable to people i think and you know it's called nobody wants to be lonely and at the time in 2001 like that didn't register with me because you know i was 16 and really i was lucky i was surrounded by people when i was 16 mm. you know what i mean whereas i think even people nowadays were really aware that you can have people all around you and you can still feel lonely yeah. and dark yeah and that was never a thing that crossed my mind or was pushed at me when i was young the only way you would find that language is watching an episode of Frasier because <laughs> Frasier says things and said things back then that's normal language today but was like real psychiatrist language mm. back in the the early noughties it's 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 odd But yeah, it passes the McGurdy test of the creepy, lovely, romantic, everything. Um, Even we'll be throwing creepy age gap just to like give it extra points for creepiness.
0: Yeah, why not? If you must. Yeah, go on then. Okay, we've said goodbye to Ricky Martin. Goodbye, Ricky. Goodbye, we miss you. Bye, Ricky. Still doing stuff, obviously, but the charts have kind of forgotten Ricky, unfortunately. This, however, is the start of a new beginning. And what an exciting new beginning it is! This is the first appearance on the podcast of Nelly Furtado and her enormous gold certified hit.
2: This was the debut single uh, and a big debut, really. Oh, yeah. I remember at the time the scandal was, and this was probably mostly in my head, is that people really thought that at quick glances that Nelly Furtado was Courtney Cox. That's, there was yes. so much of a similarity between them. There was so much scandal at the time about Aye. this whole, are they sisters? Mm. Are they the same person? What's going on? I remember being at a friend's house and we'd been watching Friends
0: and then we put on the music channels and I'd, I saw promiscuous on the video for the first time Uh and that i mean like what are the chances of seeing friends
2: and that on the same day Mm -hmm. and and then you go and say that yeah i agree oddly enough she looks less like courtney cox in the video with this one like she looks very much like her Mm. but there's a lot of zoom in on her yeah and you can really see the differences if you've watched a lot of friends but in future things she becomes more courtney cox it's Mm. dead odd it's like really interesting to see but this one has a massive 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 chorus with just like a huge sing along factor and it's it's deep as well you know it's a really deep song mm-hmm. for people so it's really odd to have such a mainstream track that's got so much depth and it was just a massive player in my school circles when i was 17 years old
0: so this won the grammy for best female pop vocal performance she was the first female act to win for a debut single since mariah carey back in 1991 wow. with her debut vision of life I was also nominated for song of the year mm. song of the Bloomin' year that's a pretty big accolade pop sugar put it in their top 40 saddest songs of 2000 last year oh sad is it sad for you i I guess certain interpretations of the lyrics and you know being a bird means being fleeting nothing lasts forever i guess in that way it's quite sad but i guess for me as someone who listens more to the sound and the audio as opposed to the lyrics and the content and the interpretations to me i mean I, i guess that makes it quite melancholic i guess it's quite melancholic on balance
2: it is and i think you know the difference in me now right so when i was when i was 17 and this song was out or 16 and this song was out, i never thought that i was ever going to leave the town that i lived in Mm, you know what i mean and actually i remember thinking oh somebody doesn't know where they live and things like that and i would have seen that as a sad thing back then but still loved it song the song because it's just like hooksville really yeah Uh, but actually now that i've randomly moved away from where i came from even though i was the only one of my family members that didn't want to and then you know the ones that. Wanted to move away, now I'll live back there. Mm. And I see it as like, actually, it's actually really optimistic as a song because it's telling you that the world is your oyster. And yeah, there's like love elements and stuff to it too, but there's so much that you can do with this track um, or so many ways you can interpret it. I think it's down to your mood. So if you're in a great place and you're driving along and you're singing it and the world is your oyster... You'll be positive about it if, you've, if you're if you suffering a breakup or you're just in a bit of a bad place. You, you just adapt it to you at the time, really.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Last week we spoke about Dido and Here With Me and... This, this track probably joins that in the category of deceptively elaborate in terms of production. Yeah. That intro, to me, is quite an intro sort of track. It's got, like, chopped and screwed string section, mm-hmm. and then has, like, the sort of... Well, it, it, it goes on to do all sorts of other stuff, just like Dido did. I think the whole combination of her voice with the production, it, it, it just stands out so well. And I think there's people who... And I know for a fact there's people who hate the fact that Nelly's career changed after this, and it became timberland and it became man-eater and promiscuous and that kind of stuff mm. what 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 do you make of that there's some who think she really torched her career I... by, by by not by not following this
2: up with more of this ilk oddly enough my favorite nelly Furtado track is um one where again she's probably sold her soul because i'm pretty sure she's never met this guy broken strings with james morrison oh yeah yeah and i think oh, I like that's so, a brilliant yeah. song i really really love that song mm-hmm. and i think that they've never met each other and it's all kind of press really but i think you know, you've got to play the hand that you're dealt and actually maybe, you know, like the, the Timbaland ones are big songs. Like they are good. Promiscuous yeah. is a great song. Oh yeah. I think she's, I wouldn't complain. I think she's, no. you know, she had the chance here. I think she had two options. She had a great breakthrough single and she could have maybe got like a couple of good selling albums had she just stayed as like, a, you know, like an independent alternative artist or she could have gone for it and played it. And I think she went for it and played it. And mm. she's really put down a lot of, big tracks in the hall of fame and i would have probably played my hand the same way she did
0: yeah i love this and i've always loved it i think my era of nelly in terms of like being very consciously aware of who she was and what she was doing would have been that timberland era but this one has always been in my life i love it so much i've always i've never known what the lyrics are in a different way to Shaggy. <laughs> I've never really kind of studied it closely enough in a, in a very different way to Shaggy. I can at least understand that she's speaking English. The line at the end of the chorus, I still don't know what it is. I still don't know what it actually is. But I always thought she was saying, maybe I'm a dicky bird. Maybe <laughs> is it I'm nowhere, a bird. I don't know where bird. my
2: home is. I don't know where my soul is. Well, there's
0: that as well. I so I,
2: home is. when I've
0: been singing it, I've always been getting soul- and home mixed up so every time I sang this song I've always said the line I don't know where
2: my hole is (laughs) yeah we always did at school too and it was um, so there was there was a stupid jokey piss take of this song because it was I don't know where my hole is look down lover grab a hand mirror don't be afraid to explore and then you know in 2020 how many programs have there been on the trash channels being like sit with a hand mirror and explore your own anatomy you know so (laughs) like maybe Nelly Furtado inspired girls all over the world to use mirrors and just get to know one's body just from a merge of soul and home (laughs) we've uh this track for me is exactly what this podcast is about right because i think that you know we've discussed the whole we're looking for the best pop song and just because something like Whole again was number one for so long that doesn't mean that it was the best pop song don't get me wrong it was a banger and it was very very big yeah but something like this this got to number five it was a breakthrough and debuts are really easy to overlook sometimes because of the way that they like chart massively in america then they don't do very well in the uk or like actually an american getting a debut number five in the uk is a uk number one for them in theory yeah, because yeah. they've done so well but this this deserved to be number one this is a number one caliber track and i think really on reflection if you ask people what number did nelly Furtado i'm like a bird get to people would assume it was a number one yeah. and i think that's what this podcast is exactly for discovering these again <coughs>
0: So this is an interesting situation because we've got two Manic Street Preachers tracks. Now normally we'd be like, oh, it's Steps or it's S Club. We've got two tracks on the same single. No, this is two separate singles. They released one that got to number eight and one that got to number nine. So we'll start with number eight. This is the first one, it's called So Why So Sad, and it's a Manic Street Preachers.
2: This is a follow-up to The Masses Against the Classes, which we covered in very early Re- episode two, part I think. of yeah. Series yeah. 1, was it Episode 2? Yeah. This is a big gap for Manic Street Preachers, so to come back with the number 8, it's pretty, pretty impressive. I didn't think I was going to remember this, mm. uh, and then actually, it did. It took a long time to get to the chorus, because it is quite slow form. Yeah. But when I got to the chorus, I was like, oh yeah, this one, and didn't recognise the video or anything either but Mm -mm. it is a song about high rates of depression and anxiety by those that are kind of like very affluent and of a comfortable lifestyle so it's a very unique Group of people that it's interpreting back in 2001. I've got this almost, almost, I've put down almost an intro juice because it does have a good intro. But actually, so far, I've not had many introduces. I've not had any. Maybe Nelly Furtado and the strings are the closest I'm going to get this week to an intro juice.
0: The the, the subject matter is interesting. It's got me thinking about, because it's a very specific discussion, isn't it, about mental health? Very, very specific. In a time when mental health wasn't talked about particularly because it was kind of very taboo, I think this particular subject is still taboo now. I think there's an assumption that those who are affluent and who are upper class or middle class, they don't deserve depression because they're privileged yeah and i think that's that's kind of wrong and i like that this track even 19 years ago was was making that point i think people talk about depression and anxiety much like they've spoken about coronavirus in recent months is that it's the great leveler which isn't true mm-hmm. because the support available to people who are described in this song is obviously much greater than the ones that's available to those who haven't got any money because you know therapists you can get them free on a waiting list or you can go and get one and pay loads of money for them but this song is interesting in that it talks about that and it kind of shows that even if the aftercare might be different for everyone everyone can be affected by this regardless of circumstance so i like that i just actually i think it's a very interesting subject matter and the 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 lyrics and the video kind of reinforce that point
2: many fold, I think. They do. This is kind of like, and whenever, so if I think back to when I was that age, and I always felt like this until I met my now wife, is that there was very much you know there's people there's people starving in the world and dying in foreign countries what have you got to be depressed and anxious about Mm. and as much as that was a really useful line for me because what it does is it gives me perspective whenever i'm sad and stuff that doesn't actually release any of the emotions and stuff that you need to get off you know if you've had a fight with somebody or there's something irrational in your head just sometimes saying the irrational thing or saying the angry thing that makes no sense sometimes you just feel better after it and this track is kind of like a taboo because what it does is it juxtaposes the there is dying children in africa and all of that and actually it's a really really helpful song and a really risky thing to say but obviously it's manic street preachers it's you know it's a, a band doing it so it, it sits very much in its niche mm. in many respects mm-hmm. and it's very like a six music kind of an audience or a you know a radio x or um kind of an audience but. I think the fact that they tackled it is very, very important and it does show you. And this is what my wife kind of explained to me over the years. Just because you've got all of these things doesn't mean that you just don't feel bad some days. Yeah. Like, you know what? You're actually right. And there's like me telling myself for years, okay, hold on a second. There's there's dying people in the world and things. And it is, you know, there is a seesaw there for those sorts of things. But I do find with this one, you know, it, it really works because it's got the unique manic street preachers tones. There's actually like a bit of a, a Californian surfer vibe to the production of it as well.
0: Yeah, it's 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 Beach Boys. That was that we we've I've. Over the years, heard the Manics, you know, a design for life and uh, if you tolerate this, your children will be next, and all that kind of, your love alone's not enough. Those singles have all got a kind of an iconic Manic Street Preacher sound. Yeah. Like in my head, I could probably, you know, if somebody said, go and write a Manic Street Preacher song in half an hour, mm-hmm. it would sound it would sound very much like all of their songs this one to me feels like a real big outlier and i think from what i've read online it's it's considered an outlier by the fans as well this is this is one that doesn't sound like their normal sound you said it has certain elements and i agree but i think this one is so far from anything i've heard from them before
2: yeah production wise i do want the vocals more clear in the mix and i know that that is like mm. a, it is a californian yeah. soul production kind of yeah, a technique yeah, but yeah. i do find that i had to listen A lot. I've started watching Dez this week Mm. and actually I'm finding listening to Dez in Dez, I'm having to lean towards the TV. So it seems like it's a really smart approach to get me really like focused on it. So I don't know if it was a focus thing or whether they just kind of missed it or it's my new shit headphones because i'm (laughs) actually back in the house we're not in the studio anymore Nope. but video what you've got for this one you've got a happy day on a beach you've got some sunbathing you've got some kids playing and then there's this just like hybrid and emerge which is very juxtaposed with scenes happening on the beach which is explosions raids tanks charges and they they don't cross over worlds so like the army kind of raid in and stuff and the people doing their thing don't acknowledge it but it just shows you this like crossover world that's pretty odd and does go to show you that things can look one way but actually there's so much going on so think it's I think the army's supposed to reflect your subconscious and it's a war that you've got inside. Mm. But um there is a parachute breakdown in the video for a few seconds that does not need to exist. I hope it's not on the single that could go.
0: Yeah, I agree. I do agree. That was a, that was a misstep for me.
2: But generally I really like it. I think it's way ahead of its time for what they're actually tackling. And I do like that it is a different sound. And I'm I'm partial, like in my radio and my chart show that I do and my other non-dance music radio station, I have a I'm a big sucker for the kind of, kind of west coast american Mm. rock music Mm -hmm. and i think that this has the elements of it that i like
0: quite like it don't think it'll be a winner however it does have the lyric that i feel most attached to of any song ever paralyzed except through my thought Ah, there you mm -hmm. go that's my head all of the time i can sit and do nothing all day but the brain still goes fucking ape shit (laughs) thanks head (laughs) much appreciated So Manic Street Preachers there, but oh wait, there's two. This is the second one. This was less than 200 copies, fewer sold than the previous one. Is it better though? That's the question. It's different, certainly. This is Found That Soul. Ah!
2: This one has attracted me from the get-go faster than what So I So Sad did, but So I So Sad really got me in the chorus, whereas this one um, is instrumentally great, the guitar solo in it is brilliant as well, but it is very easy to slip into the background, so much so that I can't even remember it now, even though I've only just listened to it probably about... Fifty minutes
0: ago. Yeah, same for me. About half yeah, an hour. Not yeah, bad. I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's 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 gone for me as well. Yeah, I've forgotten it. It's got a rollicking pace. It's very blisteringly fast and heavy. It's got some nice distortion. We spoke about feeder yeah. and the way they use distortion. Mm-hmm. They do it again here as well. It's uh, it's a big euphoric. British arena rock track. It's a shame that we can't remember it because I'm also in the exact same camp of couldn't hum it, couldn't even begin to hum it. But this is the opening track off the album, Know Your Enemy. This is some start, isn't it? It really is. The way it caught your attention straight away, this is how you start an album. This is just going guns blazing, boom.
2: I think actually the downfall of it is that it's so brilliantly intelligent and poetic that that's what's actually happened. So, like we said, instrumentally it is brilliant but i think whenever i've sat down because with this one um and actually what i've done really heavily this week is i think because we started with shaggy shaggy has me with lyrical checkers open (laughs) but this one compared to so why so sad i really enjoyed following so why so sad through whenever i've gone through it so i've kind of listened to everything i've like done the video version i've done the lyric version and i've listened to it without anything to get my own perspective of it but like a pre-prep mm. well this one i did find that i had to follow it word for word because it was so it was so poetic and it was a bit like do you know whenever you're at school and someone has to read a poem out in school in english and you have to go through it one line at a time because it is so intelligent and it is so, yeah. so thought-provoking this is like for me, a one-liner at a time. And I actually think I might prefer prefer it lyrically as a poem on a wall that I can take my time over than a a four-minute track that I'm being rushed through because... It's a song. It did
0: make me feel a bit stupid. It <laughs> did. It did make me sort of question, like you know, you're meant to be a music reviewer. You're meant to, as you know, te- what we do is essentially music criticism. And the fact that I just, I just couldn't, I just found it too dense, and I couldn't pick through it. It just made me think, like, oh, you're just not cutl for of this Liam. You just, you're not doing your <laughs> job properly. But I, yeah, I, str- I struggle with it. the the one The one bit that I kind of did get is the obvious bit, and that's kind of found that soul. Yeah. And I think from the interpretation I've seen elsewhere, it's a song about kind of growing older and that that soul that he talks about is kind of finding the inner peace after all that time has passed. As you get older, you just sort of find out what life really is amidst all the chaos and, and getting older it, that's kind of all i got <laughs> i was I, I was kind of distracted by the fact that it was big and heavy and there's there's there's, there's suggestion in comment sections that this track was influenced by queens at stone age who mm-hmm. were brilliant as well and i just kind of got lost in that i was kind of happy to headbang for a few minutes and then just yeah not think too
2: much about it because i couldn't <laughs> i think if anybody said the manic street preachers are useless or they're dumb or anything like that because i kind of i don't know what they're they're reputation as like this time because i think i've told the lily Allen story before she wouldn't get off stage for them yeah. so my kind of opinion was was like blurred a little bit by <laughs> lily allen not getting off at V festival but i think just show them the lyrics for this and be like calling them dumb nah they've done this mate you're wrong so well done to them
0: there is such a thing as
2: pseudo-intellectualism maybe that, maybe that's exactly what it is actually
0: yeah it could be <laughs> it could just be a load of absolute bollocks they are gone like but isn't it so thoughtful and thought provoking? Mm i'm not sure i've considering I, i've already bared my soul and said that i didn't understand it i'm gonna go with yeah they're just talking shit it's not it's not me it's them
2: okay i'm gonna say that they did something so profound like when i was in english and i wrote a story once and then hadn't the title for it and i just called it the tale with no name mm. um so yeah i got the tension for that clever mm-hmm. yeah Postmodern. first person to do that ever <laughs>
0: Right, let's kick off a new week. It is the 11th of March 2001, a landmark week for British TV. Coronation Street edits 5,000th episode. <gasps> Comic Relief, telephone 2001, raised £55 million. Pounds. And get this, <gasps> The Exorcist was shown on the small screen for the very first time.
2: Have you seen it, Scott? Yeah, love it. It's so, so good. Although I do think I like some of the scary movie adaptations better
0: (laughs) so elsewhere in music the power of the music buyers compelled shaggy and rick away from number one and do you know what she did your cunting daughter she went and bought westlife uptown girl the new number one this week
2: This was a golden ticket for lads to be seen enjoying Westlife. Finally, yeah. there was a little bit of credibility because of the Billy Joel factor. So that you had to hate it because, oh, you have taken on Billy Joel. But if it came on like in a bar, you were allowed to dance to it because you could pretend you were dancing to Billy Joel, mm. even though it was Westlife, and you could eventually dance to Westlife. So, you know, you had this like golden ticket. Yeah. Um, but this was the actual comic relief single for 2001 yeah. and the first single from the world of our own album. And we know this producer because he's done some great stuff. And actually, we probably knew him from Shape of You and Ed Sheeran, uh, produced by Steve Mack
0: Yes, they worked mm-hmm. together a lot, and it, it was it was a winning combination, wasn't it? Every time. Yep. he is just uh, still this day an absolute master of his craft. Yeah, it's funny. This is a cover of Billy Joel. Uh, Original was in 1983. It was the second biggest single of the year in the UK behind Karma Chameleon. Uh, And this was also up there in terms of the UK. So it's a song that stood the test of time. You've said there that, you know, people, particularly lads, wouldn't want to be seen like in Westlife. But certainly in the video, the way that's framed with the sort of posh tory type guys who come in and take the piss out of them immediately westlife upper hand for me as somebody who is very working class and very not that upper class immediately they've won me over in 30 seconds fist pump in the air they could do anything after that point the song could be absolute horse shit but immediately they've 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 won my heart but
2: it's because (laughs) what we do have is we've got two we've got two really likable actors before Westlife have even done anything so you've got Darcy off Bridget Jones has Bridget Jones been out by this Bridget Jones hasn't been out by this point has it Uh, but what's the one with what's the other one Um, I can't remember what it's called with uh, Julia Roberts in it and um, I can't remember what it's called it's a really famous film that I'm completely oh, notting, Hill. notting Hill so Notting Hill has been out at this point you've got one of the guys from Notting Hill and then you've got Mark Darcy from Bridget Jones so you've got this whole element of oh my god they're in this yeah. this is amazing and obviously you can see for comic relief they've chalked everything at it but you do kind of get hooked because of those guys yeah. straight away and the toughness of it all and the way that they play it is so good but yes in the music yeah. video right because the music video is a parody of billy joel's version so billy joel's um in a as a mechanic in a car garage and these guys are, are doing it differently they're like london diner workers but but in the overalls they, they, yeah. yeah yeah so billy joel's got the overalls and these guys are in their kind of like um what looks like kind of 2001 Grease outfits yeah. um but you, you've got mark from the band shaking the cocktail shaker in a very obvious user wankers yeah, style yeah. and I'll, i just love it it's just a really split <laughs> second and you can just see that it's it's supposed to be code for this lot are absolute tools, but um, yeah, I think I think it's a big enough lift away from Billy as well, mm. production wise, because of the mastering and layering of vocals. Do you think it works as a transformative cover?
0: Mm, I think I well, okay, my my I, um. It's not transformative, but it does work as a cover. Okay. I, 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 there's not much separating these two for me. I think you're always going to choose the Billy Joel version, but I can't knock it because it's for charity. Yeah. And it, it's 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 fine. And certainly compared to Westlife's other covers, this is leagues ahead of them because it isn't it isn't so miserable like the rest of them. The, the other ones are so dour and so downbeat. This is the first time I've seen Westlife being genuinely fun. Yes. And, and 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 I can't overlook that fact. I can't overlook the fact they're actually smiling and they're, they're not like being kind of like teen heartthrobs who look sad and kind of like, you know, pity shag me all the time. Yeah. They they, they look genuinely kind of like happy and having fun and I like that
2: and I that's what I've wait, I've been waiting for that for so long. It's like we've seen them with personality for the first time and that's what really works for me and it Absolutely. It's also kind of what you would imagine them to be like if they were maybe on the sesh yeah you know what i mean because like they do lose it in the background and you can kind of tell that there's a director going right in the background it's for comic relief you need to like lighten up a little bit you know be used and it, it's kind of like actually what it did is expose how stifled that they had been up to this point um and they, there was more to them beyond ballad yeah really yeah. so brian's curtains are gone they are Mm-hmm. Mm. He does keep like a little, does keep a little side poke coming down <laughs> on both sides, just to kind of frame his face the same way. what yeah. the curtains are gone, so times are a- changing right now. They really are. A
0: freaky Trigger, who is a blog that goes through all the number ones of this time, he says it features the best joke on a comic relief single. A girl gets bored of her white bread world, and instead she chooses Westlife. <laughs>
2: hey dear one of which married the t-shocks daughter didn't they in the republican party (laughs) deary me but it's claudia schiffer isn't it in the music video too so you you do get some impressive stuff but i think i think this is a nice and very welcome change for westlife and this has reframed them for me like you know i think they've played the comic relief game really really well it isn't a billy joel but the comic relief thing allows us to push them closer to the credibility of that so i'm pretty happy with this one
0: me too it's an easy win for westlife i think everyone still likes it now it's a chance for them to show off the sort of cheeky side like you say they aren't just like robotic action figures anymore they look like real people yeah and they they get to have a laugh girls get to enjoy it lads get to enjoy it charity wins the world wins happy days Right, forget everything you know about Blur and Damon Albarn. It's time to introduce 2D, Murdoch, Russell Hobbs, and Noodle. This is Gorillaz, the debut single, Clint Eastwood.
1: am glad got am the future I'm feeling glad I got
2: in a bag on 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 I remember this so much whenever I first heard it and I can remember everybody doing Damon's vocals because they were so yeah yeah ah, and that, that was so so much of a pull How how basic of a thing is that and that just took everybody in we'd never seen anything like this this was such a movement and a half mm-hmm. you know like in a day and age now we've got manga we've got like all complete virtual worlds we'd never really had a virtual pop band before no and it just sat really odd with us because we were like how are they doing it why-, why won't Damon just come and sing the song yeah you know why would they want to be virtual it made no sense to me but Jesus what a like a groundbreaking thing that they did at this point.
0: Yeah. So this is the project of Damon Albarn of Blur and Jamie Hewlett who is the the kind of the visual side of things who draws the, the the cartoon world that we're now so familiar with with gorillas. It's got a rap from Del the Fungy Homo Sapien, which is brilliant. Clint Eastwood, of course, being the actor and now director. <laughs> and this, this song is filled of you know of samples and references to his work, to other Clint Eastwood films. The views of Melodica, which makes it sound like a fistful of dollars. This is the start of... Well, I, I, okay. Th- this is this is a new thing that was eye catching. But did you know at this point it would be the start of a whole universe that would still be going on nineteen years later? Because it's it's never stopped. Gorillas. It's always been a massive, massive thing in my lifetime. But back in two thousand and one, did w- w- was this a thing that was going to stick around, or was it just kind of a flash in the pan
2: novelty thing? It was odd because there was two versions going around. Obviously, there was the original, really chill, I am happy, um, and then there was the Ed Case remix, which was the one that was getting the radio play. Because it was a UKG oh. track, so there was two things. So actually, I think if you get the if you bought the EP, people bought the EP because they knew the Ed Case remix, and then they rediscovered the original chill version. And mm. um, so I knew I knew both of them—one from Music Channels, one from Radio Play. But you knew something. You knew something special was happening. But then we just come off the Millennium Bug, and you know we were really aware that technology was completely changing everything. And it, it was really apparent from at this point that this not necessarily could be the future where you know people had avatars i I could never have guessed that i'd have an avatar one day but we could see that music was potentially about to change we didn't know if it was going to be gorillas keeping us there or whether they were going to be short-lived and somebody else would come in and do it like differently and a bit more advanced or whatever but we there was definitely something in the air that things were going to be different and this was probably one of the first points that really brought it down to millennials and was like shit this is weird
0: yeah, very, very critically acclaimed, makes a lot of the greatest of all time lists or like greatest of the decade lists, and I think rightly so, but I think the best is yet to come for Gorillas. This is certainly a good starting point. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's very trippy, it's very weird, the kind of references to drugs. I know Sunshine in a Bag is a, is a direct reference to Clint Eastwood in The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, mm-hmm. but also there's kind of talk of could that be like some kind of like wacky backy or you know <laughs> sort of ma- magic stamps or whatever and i'm not sure that that's i think nobody calls them magic stamps but that makes sense in my head it is that kind of trippy track it's very I- i'm kind of curious to know how this went down with the blur fans because it's a very different project to blur mm-hmm. i think half of them would be really on board because yeah it's kind of a cool new journey man and i, I bet some were really freaked out that it wasn't of guitars and it wasn't brit pop sound because yeah. this is so vastly different isn't it it's
2: just chill hip-hop isn't it it's like the most chill hip-hop track we could ever have reviewed up to this point and yeah uh, yeah you know there's maybe something really smart about the fact that it's like entry level so you know it, it's making people like me for example at, at this point we're gonna do some hip-hop artists you know over the coming weeks and today and i just wasn't into it but this is actually maybe like something that is a slow down version that makes me understand flow mm. even though it's very very chill but it it Opens my mind a little bit, so maybe actually hip hop has got a lot to thank gorillas for. But I remember being really confused because I was always like, you know, you you get a you get a job, you get a girlfriend, you get a house, you get married, you grow up and stuff and things. And to at this point to see. And doing something else, it made no sense to me that people would do more than one thing in their life. <laughs> yeah, and then now I realize actually, rich people. I think we, me and my wife discussed this a few weeks ago because it was in a book or something she was reading. Rich people, millionaires, have a, on average seven side hustles. Yeah, and I didn't realize that maybe you would do more than one thing. So actually, for for gorillas to appear, I was confused as to why wouldn't you just keep doing Blur. So this was shocking for me, and I think that's actually also the same thing that I thought about D twelve whenever I was like, why is Eminem doing? more than one thing why does he why does he need to do more than one thing but actually it's what happens in the creative worlds art worlds music worlds and i think that it's really really actually socially important that he did that and you would never really actually think oh he did he did a hip-hop thing that that just changed everything and made the world look differently
0: yeah as well as blur and gorillas he's also in the good the bad and the queen he's also in rocket juice and the moon and he's part of africa express as well so he's he's on five (laughs) two more and he's going to get there for that million i'm sure he's a millionaire i'm sure he's a millionaire yeah. and he's he's if done he it i'll f- be
2: devastated
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. um he's done it in five which is quite impressive he's probably sneakily selling alex cheese alex's cheese on. <laughs> 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 um yeah we haven't seen alex's cheese promoted in cartoon form yet have we will we'll see if that transpires damon Albarn's legacy is so great That, I mean, I think I might have said before that my name is inspired by Britpop. You know, Liam Jarvis is is Liam Gallagher and it is Jarvis Cocker. My childhood teddy bear is Damon oh. I got given it as a christening present oh. by my cousin Rachel when I was getting christened so only a few months into my life and I've still got him now oh. and I'm, I'm going to put a picture on Instagram this week I've got, I found a picture of me at Christmas holding Damon in my hands and he looks so clean and so blue and he's so <laughs> fresh 24 years later he's an absolute rag but he's still very special to me he's still, he's still in my room it's, it, it, it's I think like as you get older, you realise that there's no shame in having your childhood teddy oh. in your bedroom anymore it's just a thing that makes me me content and reminds me of i wish
2: i had mine i do wish i had mine what's your what's your childhood teddy scott mine's was a little dog called dino um, and i can remember my first childhood ptsd was we had traveled all the way down to dublin um stayed in my nanny's house and it was a three-bedroomed and terraced house and i think three of us three boys had to sleep in like one small room. Um it was like the box room and there was three of us in it. Mm. But I can remember my brother's Tug of Warringham. <gasps> they pulled and they pulled and they pulled and the head came off. <gasps> and um I remember being devastated because mm. it was like witnessing a murder. And then forevermore my mum had to um constantly sew his head back on at the neck and then it would gradually come off again you know and it was just an ongoing thing of like putting his head back on but yeah devastated and i don't i can't remember what i've done with him i'm hoping he's like in a memory box or a bag or something somewhere i just don't know where he is do you know i
0: think even to this day if that happened to my Damon, i think i'd cry i think i'd actually cry yeah oh. it's so upsetting you know the film ted uh-huh when ted gets his he gets his head Woo-hoo! ripped off that was the moment i had a bit of a blub at that Mm -hmm. what what is it about anthropomorphic things you know they're not real people but they've got faces Mm -hmm. and we're so attached to them and i think like anything in films and stuff where a teddy gets you know if if the threat of a teddy getting his ear cut off or whatever in a film or in a tv show i'm like no Mm -hmm. like the main character could get shot in the face and i would be fine but a teddy getting its arm chopped off
2: Mm -hmm. my mom this is really sad actually my mom before she died made my best friend He'd, she'd like bought him a little, like little froggy thing with a backpack and she'd put like a little caramel sweet with a note into the backpack for him <gasps> so that he had this after my mum had died and he's oh. kept this like little thing that she'd given him um, before she'd gone and I was like oh that was so amazing like that was so so sweet mm. um, just like a little fudge sweet and the, oh. the little note and stuff and I think she'd give him a name and things too so um, it's amazing the power of things like that yeah. you, know, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to clog up your house with all of this stuff No, but no. you know certain things that just make an impact to you you know it's amazing so we have like i've got three of the same thing for my kids so that he doesn't lose it
0: oh oh that's <laughs> you know? so sweet oh mm-hmm. see because I, I wish i had two or two or three of what i've got like with my Damon and i wish i had a few of them because he's he's not looking he's he's his best days are past his best days are past pleasant
2: maybe we should call like send us tag us on instagram with pictures of your like your best teddies and stuff yeah. like that across the
0: years please oh please to gorillas Uh, nineteen (laughs) two thousand is next which is very
2: exciting because that's a tune yes so i i I am i'm like there's something about me when i when i saw gorillas coming i was a bit like yeah gorillas are here and then i'm actually i don't know why i'm underwhelmed by it and i think it's i don't know what it is but i really thought this was gonna be a big contender for me but nineteen two thousand, i get more excited about future gorillas than right now even though i can remember the big attachment i had to this Mm. movement Mm. and this change and i remember just in the in the Video loving the fact there was a big nippled gorilla doing thriller. Like, who makes that up? <laughs> right up my street, that right up my street.
0: First half of March 2001 out of the way. More to come next week, but we've got decisions to make. We will start with you, Scott. What is in your contender's pot and oh. what will be in contention with JLo for series winner?
2: This is difficult because the thing that I want to win doesn't put up a good fight beside JLo, mm. and the thing that i think should win but hasn't impacted me as much is the thing that could put up a fight with JLo. i'm just gonna i can be quick with this one okay. anyway that my kind of third runner-up is gonna be gorillas and clint eastwood
1: Go.
2: because i think it is a jam um and it get some credibility um and i'm i might do do strategy will i do strategy will i do strategy
0: (laughs) now now i know what the strategy is i'm putting my foot down and saying that is cruel don't rely on me to get you out of trouble
2: strategy right maybe i should go first one week i'm gonna go i'm gonna go first week to avoid you doing that i do right so i'm I'm torn and i I need help here i'm torn between (laughs) something that completely lit me up and it made me feel everything and like all of my hairs and my body stood up between something that's telling me oh yeah this is a bigger jam it's my heart and it's a better song and this is why i'm torn in this thing just to help <laughs> me quickly what head or heart head or heart well no so um heart heart or goosebumps heart or goosebumps
0: i always go goosebumps that is my selection process
2: okay. i always go goosebumps cool my my runner-up this week then is nelly Frittardo. i'm like a bird I'm- I do think she put up a better fight beside J-Lo and my episode winner is Ricky Martin and Christina Aguilera Nobody Wants To Be Lonely Nobody
1: Wants To Be Lonely Nobody Wants To Cry My body's longing to hold you So bad it hurts inside
0: Okay well, guess what, strategy, bitch! I got you. <laughs> I'm sick of us choosing the same goddamn thing every week. We're, we're merging at the same person. It's starting to make me think the music isn't that good because only one winner per week. Right, my contenders are very simple. I'm only putting in. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting gorillas in. I think there's better to come. I think I can appreciate how revolutionary it is, but as a as a tune, I don't play it in full when it comes on yeah I know there's better to come yes yeah I, I didn't get through the whole thing I can appreciate it's genius so the only thing I'm putting in and therefore by default is series winner no episode winner episode episode uh, is Nelly Furtado like a bird bitch <laughs> I'm
1: like a bird
2: one pot winner before
0: I there's a week last series where I put steps in and that was it I put stomp and that was all I put in so I've, I've done it once before but I'm I'm fairly sure you never have
2: okay yes okay but you have you have, you have put three in though so um, no nah because I can hardly choose half the time yeah so nelly Furtado, um that would have been the strategy but actually i do feel like now you've convinced me that it wasn't strategy and you've gone with goosebumps and the ricky martin and Christie. like i want people to listen to it more because obviously you don't hear the full song here unless you play with the playlist but go and listen to it mm. or maybe even the, the video is quite quite interesting to watch watch the video and maybe maybe just do it twice and it is maybe i'm wrong and i'm gonna eat my words next week but
0: i always go for goosebumps i i my selection process relies totally on the 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 hairs on my arms and legs it makes no sense because like i was dreading seeing it coming yeah i know (laughs) and then you know it's quite it's quite a nice turnaround i like those kind of success stories yeah will it be your new series winner though that's the question is he gonna go with head of the heart when it comes to this choice love don't cost a thing or will it be ricky and christina nobody wants to be lonely let's find out
2: it's easy. If people think they need to buy your love, then you might need to be lonely for a little bit until you <laughs> find the correct person to floss with. Goodbye, Ricky Martin and Christina. Nobody wants to be lonely. J-Lo, you're smashing it. Love don't cost a bang.
0: If it was Nelly Furtado, would that have been a, difficult, a more difficult choice um, in terms of impact? And You've kind of alluded to Nelly being the bigger jam, possibly. Yeah. Would that have stood a better chance against um, J-Lo? Do
2: you know what? No, it really wouldn't have, because, you know... <laughs> does does does, does J.Lo work with Timberland in the future? She probably does. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think that I still think that J.Lo and we're still a lot of it is coming off feminism, social impact and doing it for the girls kind of a thing I don't think that you could look back at Nelly Furtado you could say that it's a very competitive track and they're very different but the impact that Nelly Furtado has made has more been about it's a really good song musicality and all of that whereas Jennifer Lopez has done it for half of the population you know she really has pulled something off with Love Don't Cost a Thing Mm, I agree right okie doke where are we at with you Liam so we're going up again so we've got a bit of a Nelly Furtado I'm like a bird versus the one you changed to last week which was Outcast and Miss Jackson where are we at let's hit you with a drone
0: I still feel weird about choosing Outcast. it's 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 uh, I and I haven't heard it much across the week I'm not I'm not sure I've listened to it since I picked it which is interesting but also I didn't listen to Daft Punk much before I dropped that either so it doesn't don't, don't look too much into it Hmm, a really, it's a really difficult one, actually. Nelly's great. Mm-hmm. Nelly's really great. She is really, really great. I'm going to regret doing this, but I'm going to stick with Outcast. And I, I think I've had to make that choice because I don't want to have the mental anguish of last week again. I'm just making the clear choice now. Okay. I'm um, sticking with Outcast, Miss Jackson. Okay. But I. I, I I'm Like a Bird is wonderful. It's a really, really wonderful, wonderful song.
2: It really is. I kind of thought there you were going to switch. Whenever you said you're going to regret this, mm. I thought that you were going to switch straight away to Nelly and you were regretting playing about again.
0: Yeah, I, just, I, just, I, I need to be more certain in life. I can't have this reputation of being uncertain. It's going to get us nowhere in well, life. That's the
2: point of the podcast, isn't it? It is quite difficult, to be fair. But yeah, yeah, do you? Yeah. what's it going to take to knock... Miss o- Outcast um, <laughs> Outcast Ms. Jackson off Let's have a quick skim forward I've got the spreadsheet here I'm looking
0: There is something coming up In a few weeks That I think I've been looking out for And it's just a question of How I feel on the day As to whether it takes it or not But we don't know right. that might, okay. that, To be That's fair nice. I, say, I say that You know, a few weeks away, but realistically, I didn't expect to pick Delirium Silence or William Orbit as winners, so something could come along in the next few weeks that totally catches me off guard. Uh, It could be something like O-Town, it could be (laughs) Missy Elliott, it could be next week's Stereophonics. Who the
2: frig knows who knows the joy of the podcast so feel free to (laughs) let us know what you've done what you've chosen get us on the socials what are they Liam? you can get us on Twitter at naughty
0: 0 pod the email is the same naughty 0 pod at gmail.com and on Instagram and
2: Facebook we are at TNN pod. Love it. So feel free to play along yourself across the week. Mm. The playlist will be up there as well. You can kind of check in advance of the podcast, what's going down, what extra songs you've got there. Uh, Maybe you're going to hide the ones that you don't like. Maybe you're going to keep the ones that you love on rotation. I'd be intrigued to know what you've hidden and what you've got spitting out all the time.
0: Absolutely. We did a TNNX on Monday Just Gone. It had tracks from Ash, Dane Bowers, Joe, Fun and Criminals and Stuntmasters. Check it out if you haven't already. It's just a few tracks that didn't quite make the episode but did get in the top 10. That's the crucial qualifier we also did the listeners choice vote which returned an interesting result we for the first time possibly in this series i'm gonna have to go and check that for certainty but i feel like for the first time the listeners chose what we chose and they also chose Outcast Miss Jackson as their winner Dido 23.4% Samantha Mubba 213 Jakarta just 2.1% Ooh,
2: Ooh. I wonder if that's from not knowing what it is from the title and I think artist. so I think so
0: ah, yeah. but yeah Outcast well in front 53.2% so thank you if you got involved we'll do another one this weekend it'll be on Saturday before I go to work and um, you can vote across that until Tuesday, so do get involved and let us know what you think, and leave a little reply as to what you've chosen as well, so we can read them out on the show. We love hearing from you, we love getting you involved. You. Uh, you are what makes the show tick, really. I mean, the tunes primarily, but you as well, obviously. <laughs> and next week, a big number one because it's the introduction of reality TV here in the UK and hearsay. No, we're gonna have wow. hearsay kicking off next week's show also got tracks from Craig David on The Return we've got the first solo single of Emma Bunton and Lil Bow Wow yippee yo
2: yippee yay where are my dogs at walk with me now (laughs) hope that's the lyrics that's what I used to sing anyway (laughs) something like that yeah